to encourage uh, one another. And as we look in our Bibles uh, together at, at what God has to say about encouragement, um, we'll have the verses up on the screen, as always. You can follow along that way. Uh, but if you'd like to follow along in a paper Bible and you don't have one with you, uh, our ushers are coming down the aisle, and if you'll just signal them somehow, they'd be happy to put a Bible in your hands. And if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, please feel free uh, to take this one with you. Uh, we think everyone should have daily access uh, to a Bible. Before we open our Bibles uh, to look at this, let's, uh, let's pray together one more time. God, we pray uh, as we look in your word that you would uh, open our ears to hear, uh, that you would help our minds to, to think through this, uh, and mostly that you would soften our hearts where they need softening, uh, that, that your spirit would uh, be plowing the ground of our hearts uh, to hear from you and to receive it uh, and to be changed by it. So uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name as well. Amen. When I was uh, in high school, uh, I had an English teacher that I absolutely adored. Uh, she was from the deep south, and she had that southern, not a drawl, that's not, that doesn't do it for her. It was this beautiful southern accent. I probably had a crush on her, you know. At the end of my junior year, she wrote in my yearbook, Dean, surely there must be something you can do well. I'm glad you all are able to laugh at my pain. Because uh, the truth is, it, it actually hurt very deeply. Uh, somebody that I thought so highly of uh, would uh, say something so careless. Uh, when I went to seminary, I had, I had been out of college for about four years, and in many ways I wasn't uh, really ready for graduate school. Uh, when I turned in my very first paper, uh, that professor... Uh, sent me a note and asked to see me in his office. And he informed me that my paper was not acceptable for graduate-level study. And I sort of braced myself. Uh, I braced myself for the harsh words uh, that I had received from another teacher. Uh, he said, I want you to rewrite the paper. And then he said, and I'm going to help you write it. He said, I believe in you, and I believe you can do better than this. And we're going to do it together. What a difference between those two. Uh, one left me kind of devastated, and one made me think, Maybe I can do this. Uh, 
you know. Um, Mark Twain once said, I can live for months on a good compliment. Uh, the Harvard Business Review says that uh, studies of the, of the top performing businesses show that they have a ratio of about six positive comments to one negative one. Uh, uh, positivity sort of breeds success, right? And so maybe it's no wonder then that one of the one another commands in the Bible is to encourage one another. Uh, sometimes I think when we, when we think of the word uh, encouragement, we might think appreciation. And, and so when we read that we're supposed to encourage one another, uh, we might think that we're supposed to be a group of people that uh, just, you know, give a lot of pats on the back, a lot of attaboys, right? Uh, and while it's definitely important for us to appreciate the efforts of other people, that's not really what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be looking at a number of different places that we're told to encourage one another. Uh, But the main text this morning is going to be Hebrews chapter 10, uh, looking at verses 19 to 25. And uh, before we look specifically at those verses, I want to give just a, a little bit of context Uh, The book of Hebrews was written in the mid-60s A.D., uh, just prior to the extreme persecution of the Roman church under Nero. Uh, It was written to Jewish believers who were becoming discouraged. Uh, They wondered, has God closed his ears to our cries for help? Um, History records that that some uh, were so discouraged that they left the church and left the faith. Um, A a lot of Bible scholars believe that uh, the book of Hebrews reads more like a sermon than it does a letter. And so some of them refer to the anonymous author as the preacher. And so in this 13-chapter sermon, which takes about 45 minutes to read. Um, It it was intended to encourage a group of Christians who were ready to give up. Uh, That's that's the audience. And verses 19 to 25 are sort of a summary of that sermon, and that's that's part of why I'm uh, choosing those those verses. So we're going to read them together. Uh, It's on page 970 of the Bibles that the ushers handed out. Uh, Again, Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus by a new and living way he has opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship gatherings as some habitually do, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this anonymous preacher, 
building on what has been established so far in their sermon, uh, exhorts us uh, in verse 25 to encourage one another. And the, the first thing that we need to understand then is, is the basis for this encouragement. Uh, most of you have heard enough sermons to know that when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourselves a question. A little bit of a play on words, but when you see it, you ask yourselves, what's the therefore, therefore? Why is that there? Because it's, it's pointing back to something else that has been said. And in this case, the preacher's been sort of building a case through the first nine chapters that, that lead to this passage in chapter 10. So the basis for the exhortation to encourage one another is, is the work of Christ. That's, that's why we do it. And these verses reaffirm that we can boldly enter the sanctuary by a new and living way because we have a great high priest over the house of God. This was something we looked at a number of weeks ago when we uh, considered the ascension. Uh, the, the, the preacher here is, is pointing back to Hebrews chapter 4 where we are told to boldly approach the throne of grace where we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And, and this boldness, uh, it's important to understand, is not cockiness or, or arrogance. Uh, it's not based on anything that, that, that we bring to it. It's completely based on our confidence in the work of Christ and the faithfulness of God. So the, the, the preacher here wants to encourage us with this reminder of what Christ has done, but he also commands then that we be encouragers. So it works out to be sort of a, a double command. Be encouraged, okay? Be encouraged and encourage one another. Now, this word encourage. Um, in, in the Greek, the verb is parakaleo. It, it means to come alongside and encourage someone, sort of like my seminary professor did. It's sometimes translated comfort or console or admonish or advocate for someone. And all of these nuances of that word should probably come into play when we consider this command to encourage one another, to parakaleo one another. So that's the verb. The noun, encourager, is parakletos. It's the person who encourages Interestingly, it's also what Jesus promised in John 14, 26 when he told his disciples that he was sending the Holy Spirit uh, to them when he left. Same, same word, okay? So how are we supposed to parakaleo one another? And I, and I think this text suggests three different ways. Uh, the, the first of these... Uh, has to do with when we sin. The, the writer of Hebrews reminds these Jewish Christians that they are to draw near to God who has cleansed them from sin. And we know that the sermon is being preached to believers who have already confessed their sin and turned to God. So part of this, I think, is a reminder that Jesus has already cleansed us. He has already taken care of our sin. But I think there's more. 
Because one of the ways we are to encourage one another is by coming alongside one another, parakaleoing, and helping each other to turn away from sin and draw near to God. Uh, we, we saw this earlier in, in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, it says, watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't, be any, there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. But encourage one another daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. So the frequency is how often? Daily, every day, we are to encourage one another to stay away from sin. Every day, we encourage one another to stay away from sin. 1 Thessalonians 5, we read a similar challenge. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So we encourage one another to avoid sin, and we encourage one another to draw near to God when we do. I think one of the, one of the great lies of Satan is that my sin only affects me. won't hurt anyone else. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, it's fine, right? Uh, if, if I mess up, I'm really the only one who pays for it. And, and I want to say this morning, I think that's a lie from Satan. Because my sin affects the whole body. And, and you might say, well, yeah, that's true for you. You're the, you're the pastor. So you can't mess up or we're all in trouble. It's true for all of us, friends. If you wander into sin, we're all affected by it. We are all members of the same body, the Bible says. If one part isn't working right, if one part is being controlled by sin, then the whole body gets affected by it. So we have to help each other to stay away from sin. Uh, We don't get to say to another brother or sister, that's none of your business. What I do on my own time is my own business. Well, not if you're using your own time to, to get involved in sinful behavior. Uh, we are a body and our life as a body depends on all the parts being healthy and working as they should. Now, of course, we all sin don't we? Even when we're daily being encouraged to not to, as my favorite character in Cars says. Mater. That went right past a bunch of you too. To not to. Um, but when we do sin, then there's a, there's a second encouragement that, that we have to uh, engage in, and that's to encourage one another to draw near to the throne of God where we find mercy and grace because of the work of Christ. Does that make sense? So uh, the first way this passage tells us to encourage one another is by helping one another avoid sin and to draw near to God when we do sin. Second way that we need to parakaleo or encourage each other is when we lose hope. 
when we, when we lose sight of the end, the prize, the goal. And we see this in verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The Jewish Christians that the book of Hebrews was written to were losing hope. Uh, they needed to be reminded of what Christ had accomplished for them and that he was their great high priest. They also needed to be reminded of the hope of his return. Uh, the Apostle Paul had to remind the, the Christians in Thessalonica of the, the same thing. First uh, Thessalonians 4 He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say this to you by a revelation from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And then he says, therefore, comfort, encourage one another with these words. All of us, just like those Jewish Christians in the book of Hebrews, and like the Gentile Christians in Thessalonica, all of us can find ourselves discouraged, losing hope. Sometimes we find ourselves struggling to believe. And in those moments, we desperately need other believers around us to remind us of the hope that we profess and to encourage us to continue on in that hope. I don't don't know how many of you have ever been through what some people call a dark night of the soul or a a crisis of belief. Uh, I have. Um, And the truth is, most believers do at at some time. Uh, Even Mother Teresa, that wonderful example of faith put into action, had, had seasons of deep doubt uh, where she needed others to, to surround her and sort of bolster her faith. And this Hebrews uh, text reminds us of um, something really important. This isn't just pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. The end of uh, verse 23 tells us that our confession of hope is based where? in the faithfulness of God. It's based in the faithfulness of God. And and as a general rule, people are prone to forget the faithfulness of God. Even a, a cursory reading of the Old Testament shows how fickle Israel was when it came to remembering God's faithfulness, right? We see it over and over and over again. And if we're honest... We look at our own lives, we can see how quickly we forget the faithfulness of God in in our own lives. That's why we worry. We forget that God was faithful back here, and we doubt that he's going to 
be faithful into this unknown that we're, that we're going into. And so we worry about it, thinking somehow that's going to fix things. We all need to be reminded of God's faithfulness. So when a brother or sister is struggling to believe, we come alongside, we parakaleo one another and remind one another of the faithfulness of God to do what he has promised. And then we encourage one another to persevere to the end, to hang in there, stay at it, to finish the race that has been set before us and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus or a couple of months ago, we saw that video of those, uh, the girls' softball team. Eyes up. Right? Remember? So, again, the first way this passage tells us to encourage one another is by helping each other avoid sin and, and go to God when we, when we do sin. And the second way we need to encourage or parakaleo one another is when we lose hope, when we lose sight of the prize, the goal, the main thing. The third way I see that we are to encourage one another from this text is toward love and good works. Uh, Verse 24, And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Now the Greek word under our English word concerned is kat. Katanoeo, uh, and it means to, to look closely, exactingly, attentively at something uh, with the goal of discerning how uh, something should, should be done. Uh, I think most of us lack a bit of awareness when it comes to other people. Uh, that, that problem certainly isn't helped by these eye magnets that we carry around right? We can be very unattentive, not present. But, but even without those, we have to be very intentional about understanding one another. And this verse, I think, picks up where we left off last week when we talked about the command to love one another. This verse tells us that we are to encourage one another to love. And because love is an action word, because love does the writer of Hebrews qualifies it by saying that we are to promote love and good works. Now, the Greek word under the word promote is a little bit interesting. Uh, It it means to stimulate, to provoke, even to irritate. Some of us can be really good at provoking or irritating others, right? Right? We've got to ask ourselves, how often is that provocation uh, toward love and good works? That's, that's what it's talking about here. Because we are to be a people who carefully watch for opportunities to promote or provoke one another toward love and good works. What might that look like? Well, it might look like one brother daily checking in with another brother on, on how he's doing at loving his, his family, Right? It might look like one sister prodding another sister to get involved in making or delivering a meal to people who are hungry or uh, even helping to sew some of the items that are in the care uh, packets here. 
It might look like one brother or sister prodding another one to, to go visit one of our shut-ins. We have people that aren't able to come to church and they, they, they long for um, in-person communication, for a physical touch to be prayed with. Um, uh, it might look like one of you students uh, bugging your parents differently than you normally do. Um, like, like maybe bugging them to help a family in need that, that you go to school with. Um, we're going to take a whole sermon here in a few weeks to look at how we talk to and about one another, but, but maybe this provoking, this prodding encouragement looks like irritating a person by shutting down gossip or complaining. We've got to do this, though, keeping in mind that we're told to encourage one another. Uh, and when the Bible uses that word, it's the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. So are we behaving like the Holy Spirit would want us to behave? Um, it's not a license to just simply irritate people. So... Don't leave here and say, well, pastor said I can irritate you all I want. Well, verse 25 wraps up this section by reminding us uh, about the context that that these things happen in. Uh, It says, not staying away from our worship gatherings as some habitually do, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, our encouragement of one another happens when we gather together. Uh, And this points again to the fact that we are not designed to live the Christian life in isolation. Um, It's why I I regularly encourage those of you watching online to come and join us in person when you can. I know that not all of you can. When you can, uh, come and join us in person. Grace is always better in person. So, uh, Encouragement happens when we gather together, whether in small groups or in Sunday worship. And uh, I think this verse actually sort of implies that the gathering together is itself an encouragement. I get encouraged when I see you all here. And I hear from so oh, we're so good to see so-and-so here. I haven't seen them in a long time. Oh, it's great. You know, so it's, it's encouraging just the gathering together. Um, And then the writer of Hebrews ends with a a sense of urgency. Do it more. Do it more urgently, not less. Uh, What are they talking about? What are we doing more of? Just more meetings, more events, more programs? I don't think so. I think what we're doing more of is encouraging more. Do that all the more. These are difficult days that we live in. Uh, depression and, and suicide is, is on the rise. Um, and not just among unbelievers. It's people inside the church that are discouraged and, and lonely and losing hope. We have people in our own church 
who are so discouraged they're not sure they want to go on. That shouldn't be. We should be coming around them, telling them they matter, telling them we love them. God's not done with them yet. We need them. Right? This is not really what this sermon is about, but it's probably a good time to mention a community-wide rally that's, that's coming up to raise awareness and funds to support suicide prevention in our county. Um, there's, a, there's an event called Out of the Darkness. It's a, it's a walk, walk-a-thon that will take place on September 16th at Heritage Park in Scapoose. Uh, and if you'd, if you'd like to know more about participating in it or, or supporting it, um, I'm going to ask you to see Casey Dunning. She's not here this morning. If you don't know who Casey is, let me know and I'll put you in touch uh, with her. Um, so, so back to our passage here. When Hebrews 10.25 says that we should encourage one another all the more as the day approaches, it's most likely referring to the day of the Lord's return. Uh, That's the day that uh, the writer is talking about. I was thinking, you know, every every generation um, since Jesus ascended uh, has had its share of people who set dates for the Lord's return. And it's usually based on bad stuff that's happening in the world. Oh, the Lord must be coming back. Well, the Lord is coming back, but not necessarily because you see bad stuff. Bad stuff happens and has been happening since he left. And far too often then what happens is Christians sort of hole up uh, like a group of POWs waiting for the, for the allied forces to come in and, and liberate them, you know? I mean, they, they end up doing nothing while they wait for Jesus to come back. They stop doing the things Christians are supposed to do when they should be doing the things that Christians are supposed to do even more, all the more as the day approaches. We don't know when the Lord will return, but it's closer today than it was yesterday, right? It's definitely not time to just bide our time until he comes. So, uh, to close, uh, the Barna Research Group did a survey on how Christians are viewed by non-Christians. Most non-Christians describe Christians as judgmental, hypocritical, insensitive, and being against more things than they are for. That's how we're perceived. That's how we're viewed. Uh, Those kinds of Christians are like my high school English teacher. Uh, They're looking for people to fail looking for opportunities to say, can't you do anything right? I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but that teacher was in a Christian school. Jesus is looking for Christians who are more like my seminary professor who came alongside me and said, you can do better than this. I believe in you. I'm going to help you. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, does through us 
as we encourage or parakaleo one another. Last week, we were reminded to be a community of faith that is marked by loving one another. And we saw then that the world is going to know that we're Christians by the way we love one another. This week, the message is that we need to parakaleo one another, encourage one another. And we do that by encouraging one another to avoid sin and draw near to God, encouraging one another to hold fast to our confession of hope, encourage one another toward love and good deeds, and finally, we encourage one another by gathering together in worship. And it makes me wonder what might happen if our church was that kind of church. What would happen if word got out in our community that if you're discouraged, I know just the place you should go. That place called grace. Wow. They know how to love and encourage one another. Can we try to be those people? Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us to take our eyes off ourselves and see the need in our brothers and sisters. When they're struggling with sin, may we help them to draw near to you. When they're losing hope, May we remind them of the great hope we have in Christ and that he most certainly will return for us. And help us to provoke one another toward love and good works. And as we do this, build us into the church that you desire for us to be. Please do that, God. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.